Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode 393. Wow, we're almost at 400. That's crazy. I know. We won't hit it this year, though. We won't hit it this year. Um, but uh, yeah, it is. Uh, we're recording live on uh, Tuesday morning, December 11th. It's cold, even in the South. It is, it is. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, but uh, excited to uh, to do this show. We've got uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories. No guests this week. We should have a guest next week um, back on the show. But uh, we have a lot of wide-ranging stuff to cover. And I'll let Aubriana kick it off. Yeah, some fun stuff. So we're going to start off in the Philippines with this company called AdMob, and they are using facial recognition um, inside of taxis, right? So apparently there's like a ton of traffic there. People spend a lot of time commuting, and they placed all these tablets inside of, um, they're, they're called transport network vehicle service vehicles, which are basically taxis, right, um, or Uber-like things. Yeah. And so um, the technology with the facial recognition, it will determine the rider's age, their gender, um, and then it will use that information to show them more useful ads. So they have a a couple of other cool features that they're doing. So they'll use the GPS and use the location to show like must-try restaurants, attractions in the area, um, nearby sales, um, you know, based on like where they're driving through. And then it can also do trivia about the city and show how the city looked like you know, years before, like what did it look like in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, things like that. Um, what's also interesting is that their technology says that it can even guess the, um, the writer's emotional state based on their facial expressions. Like, are they looking at the screen? Are they bored? Um, based on like eye contact with the screen, are they looking at other things? I would, I feel like I would be the worst writer for them because I'm not really interested in looking at screens when I'm in a car. I typically like to look around at other things. Um, because whenever you're driving, you know, you always pay attention to the road and the cars in front of you. So I'm like, oh, what's going on out here? (laughs) But I think this is really interesting. Um, you know, obviously like having any more information about that consumer, um, and being able to tailor things on the fly is, is cool. And, um, the fact that they're doing this in the Philippines where they have obviously a captured audience, uh, like literally they're in the back of the car moving, um, you know, what better way to do that? So this, this facial recognition, um, implementation kind of makes sense for me. Um, and I think it's pretty cool. I think it's very cool. I, I, I like it a lot. I think it's, you know, I see it as a bit of a harbinger to testing, uh, more advanced, you know, uh, ad targeting in, in, as we get to sort of anonymous, autonomous vehicles and things like that, right. Where mm-hmm. you're not driving the car, you're just, the car's driving itself and you have much more time to try and uh, influence people while they're in the vehicle. And so I think if you can be picking up on things like uh, emotional states and other things uh, using this type of technology and you can tailor ads based on it, I think that makes sense. So I really, I I like this and and they're, you know, they're having good success. It seems they're working with a lot of big brands, Coca-Cola, Unilever. Uh, They're teaming up with other big players in the out of home industry like PosterScope. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it sounds like they're, you know, like they're, they're a big, uh, big happening, uh, you know, company that needs to be uh, watched. So I'm, I'm excited to follow this. It's, um, you know, we, we've seen a few implementations of different kind of, uh, in-car, 
uh, screen networks, uh, taxi networks and such. But this is the first time I've seen one that's you know, using facial recognition to truly tailor ads based on that as opposed to just running, you know, sort of the loop that you see like in New York taxis or things like that. Um, and I also like the gamification piece of this. I, I like the trivia stuff. I like the, you know, sort of get people engaged with their city and what's around them and, you know, the true sort of location element of that, uh, I think is really fun too. So very cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On to our second story. So jumping over to Austria now, um, there's a company there called Zamum. Uh, it's pronounced, it's spelled X A M O O M. And, uh, if you are one of us who celebrates Christmas, uh, you will be familiar with the song Silent Night, Holy Night, you know, that song, um, which was, uh, is celebrating its 200th anniversary this year of the first, uh, public performance of that song in Austria, where it was written. Um, and so what the, the state is doing there is they've created this whole kind of celebration of the 200th anniversary uh, of this song uh, by uh, creating a sort of um, a tour, if you will, or an experiential uh, uh, way to kind of think about uh, the history of this music and, and its origin uh, in Austria and all of that. And so um, basically there's... Uh, 13 locations across three provinces in Austria, uh, Salzburger land, uh, Upper Austria and Tyrol. Um, and you can sort of discover the history of the song and its origin and dive into, you know, sort of all the backstory uh, behind it. Um, and uh, so there's basically a number of what they're calling silent night museums um, uh, that are celebrating the anniversary year. And it's not just um, kind of a story and a song, but uh, to kind of make it more uh, hip and modern, there's a lot of technology that's going into this, and that's where Zamum is coming into this. So with smart labels and QR codes and NFC tags, which apparently were invented in Austria as well. I didn't know that, but um, and uh, yeah, so there's basically at a number of museums throughout Austria and uh, around 300 locations in total. Uh, there's uh, about 100 eye beacons as well. And basically, you can kind of just activate experiences and uncover, you know, special uh, content and, and, and other things as you kind of go around Austria uh, to kind of, you know, live, live, the, live out the history of this song, if you will. Um, and if you don't um, live there or you can't, you can't get there to visit it, uh, and, and there's an app, obviously, that activates this whole experience, but you don't have to download the app. There's also a mobile web uh, version of this uh, that you can kind of just go and kind of learn about it and, and kind of experience some of the content just through the, through the web itself. Um, so there you go. That's that's basically what it is. Um, Silent Night. <laughs> you know what I really love about this is that it doesn't necessarily have like a money objective to it, right? There's no monetary value added to it. It's just all about this community coming together to provide this really cool experience um, in part of their history and the, and the fact that they're like getting so many different people involved, um, and the technology is coming from there, uh, or at least a portion of it is really, really cool to me. Um, it's almost like, you know, it's, it, to me, I, I don't know if you've ever done like a walk through Bethlehem or something like that, where, you know, like a lot of churches or communities will put on these like little shows that kind of show the story of Christmas and you walk through there with live animals and baby Jesus and all this stuff. And, um, this is almost like an upgrade on that, right? Like you've got this really cool experience, 
um, to hear all about this song and, you know, how it was written and, and everything that it's about, I would assume. Um, and you're, and you're bringing technology into it. So uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it's neat too, because the, the way they've kind of, uh, deployed the different pieces of content is, uh, it's kind of like follow, like kind of you know, com completing a puzzle. Like it's broken into little chunks and you can uncover different pieces and you can share what you find on social media. So they built that into it. Um, and then each time kind of as you use it, uh, a part of the original song kind of gets unveiled. And then I guess the final thing is, is they put it all together and you can listen to a performance uh, of that song in its original um, kind of birthplace, which is a, a place called o Oberndorf uh, in, in Salzburg. So kind of cool. I like it. I didn't know that, so I learned something new. Right, there you go. <laughs> All right. So this next story is a very popular one this week. I think that we've had multiple people send um, us this story. It's funny. I sent it to a thief, and then after that, I had somebody send it to me, and he said he had like five or six people send it over to him. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know what we're talking about, Burger King is like geoconquesting McDonald's. Um, and they have changed kind of their ad, like the ad for this actual campaign is somebody changing the sign under McDonald's to say from billions served to billions swerved. <laughs> and this is why, because Burger King is now pushing people to download their app and they're doing that by offering one cent whoppers, but there's a little bit of a catch, right? So what they've done is they have geofenced roughly 14,000 McDonald's um, across the country. And you can get this one-cent Whopper, but the catch is that you have to order it from either within or very nearby a McDonald's, like within 600 feet. So use your location. You open the, you know, you open the app and you can actually order this one-cent Whopper and then drive to the nearest Burger King to pick it up. So... Um, they, they launched this mobile order and payment part of their app back in August. So now this is kind of like, I think, the big kaboom to like really get people yeah. to use it. Um, so it's definitely catching a lot of attention. And um, it's it's been the, – the Burger King app has been downloaded to 5.9 million devices. So it's ranked number 11 in the food and beverage app section of the Apple Store. Um, McDonald's is ranked number four. So obviously they're trying to do some promotion around this. Um, now we had a friend, um, one of the many people who reached out to us and told us about the story, our friend Pete Stringer, who actually did like a quick little write up on this and he did the whole experience and kind of screenshotted his way through it. Um, and so what was interesting is he was, you know, from a consumer perspective, one of the kind of wonky things about it was that you actually had to input your information. You could either connect it with Facebook or you would actually put in like your name, your, your zip code, your email address. So there was like a little bit of a hook there. Um, in exchange for that, you know, one cent Whopper, nearly free Whopper, you had to give some some information back. Um, so, you know, to him, he felt like that's a deterrent, but he was obviously like motivated to, uh, you know, experience the whole thing. Um, and so he was like, you know, I got there and I, I had to pay with a credit card, I had to upload that, kind of had to go through that, which, you know, he was saying that maybe it would be better just to allow people to pay with cash when they get there, if it's that right, um, or something else. But Obviously, I think the point is that if you put in that effort to get that one cent Whopper, then maybe you'll have a little bit more retention and use it again is what they're probably hoping. The promotion is actually ending tomorrow, um, and you can only do cash in on this once. Uh, but according to CNN, there was like 50,000 people had already redeemed this promotion. So that's a lot of free Whoppers right there. Merry Christmas, everybody. You know, I like this story. I think it's fun. Um, you know, Burger King has traditionally had like kind of funky like – 
out of the box, off the walls, uh, marketing, I think. Um, and you know, they made a point to talk about how this was not supposed to be like necessarily poking fun at McDonald's employees or anything like that, but just more, um, you know, always trying to do something fun and, and outside of the box. So I think this is a fun is certainly like catching attention and people are talking about it. So I think this is a great idea that they put this together. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I would love to see like what the retention rate is for people who downloaded the app like a month from now, right? How many more mobile orders did they get? How effective was this campaign in terms of like having people use it longer term? Um, and you know, the data is available to, to check that out and find out. So if you don't know how to do that, get in touch with me and I'll let you know. <laughs> we can measure that for you, but um, I think this is super cool and it's a really fun story. I, I, I'm, I love this. I, I love these kind of geocon, geoconquesting campaigns uh, when brands kind of, especially big, well-known brands, you know, kind of go at it uh, like this. Um, I think it's super fun and exciting. You know, what I would love to, to your point about the data, you know, I'd love like, the, the guy who kind of led this, this guy, Mar, 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 Marcello Pascoa, uh, who's Burger King's head of uh, brand marketing, to come and share this case study at Retail Loco. Uh, that would be amazing. So uh, okay. if you're listening to this, you have an open invite to come on stage at our conference and, and talk about this uh, campaign and, and the results of it. So there you go. Um, that would be fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it, you know, the game mechanics, this is such an American thing, first of all. For a guy who lives in Canada, you know, first of all, we don't have pennies anymore. There's no more one cent uh, up here. It doesn't exist. Uh, everything's rounded up, uh, uh, you know, to the nearest uh, nickel. So um, the pennies have long been gone here. Um, so we can't do one cent whoppers. <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting, as, as I was thinking through the sort of cost uh, dynamics of this campaign, you know, one thing that they have here at Burger King is uh, when you go in and you buy whatever you buy at Burger King, on the actual uh, print receipt that you get, on the back of it, there's a, uh, you can fill out, um, you can go online and you can basically complete a little survey where you put in essentially, you know, some, some information, name and email address and, you know, whatever else that they, they want to collect. Um, and then you get a code and then you can redeem that code for a free Whopper. Um, not even a one cent Whopper, a free Whopper. So in a way, it's like, it's a data collection exercise, right? It's, it's, it's try to drive downloads to try to drive, uh, you know, stickiness, uh, in the app. I love in, as you described here, the, the payment aspect of this though, in terms of getting people comfortable with using the mobile payment piece, uh, of, of their app. So I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and, uh, I know up here too, Bert, uh, McDonald's is all about mobile payments and pre pre-order and pick up, uh, spots and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, definitely I think this is, uh, on trend, uh, but a super fun way to kind of expose people to their app and to their, their, you know, mobile payment, uh, capability and things like that. So love it. Great. Oh, yeah. So I just have one follow-up question for you then in Canada. Do you just say like a nickel for your thoughts? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I have to think about that now. I don't know. A nickel for your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's yeah. my joke for the day. I don't know. For, for My daughter would say it's probably like, you know, $20 for her thoughts or something like that. Oh, I'm sure a teenager's <laughs> thoughts are worth much more than that. So, yeah. So there you go. Hmm. Um, she might even pay to understand her own thoughts, you know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. All right. So that's our three industry news stories for this week. Um, shifting over now to uh, some fun things that our members have been up to. And it's actually, uh, we've got, uh, what, three, three fun brand stories this week um, uh, that have done some interesting things. Uh, first one's not even about technology at all, but all about location-based marketing. Um, and uh, this is Dunkin' uh, Brands. Uh, and I, I can only say Dunkin' now because it's not Dunkin' Donuts anymore. It's just Dunkin'. Uh, but they created a pop-up shop uh, in Portland, uh, Portland, Maine, that is. Um, and uh, th basically what they did was is they created this pop-up pop upscale uh, espresso cafe called SIP. And it's just S with an exclamation point as the I, P. Uh, very hip, uh, upscale, you know, kind of cool vibe coffee shop serving Dunkin' espresso drinks. Uh, they even asked a reality TV star, a guy named Jonathan Chabin, uh, to step in and, and serve behind the counter. Um, and you know, there's, you can, you can find a video on YouTube about this. Uh, just, just look up Duncan sip with an exclamation mark instead of an I. Um, and, uh, you know, in the video, you see all kinds of people kind of coming in and tasting the espresso and like, like wooing and on and, and wooing and on about it and going on about it. And, uh, Surprise, surprise, when they kind of reveal, like, and pull the cup out inside, it's Duncan. And people are, like, you know, kind of shocked. And, you know, it's the old sort of taste test kind of uh, Pepsi Coke kind of thing that back in the day. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think this is, I think brands should do this kind of thing more often, right? Where, you know, a lot of us, you know, we are, especially millennials, uh, are so driven off of brand consciousness and, and, and affinity. Uh, and, you know, often we ignore, you know, sort of the quality of, of, you know, sort of everyday product, like, like a Dunkin', you know, uh, coffee. And like, I, I was talking to somebody up here, uh, in Canada where like Tim Hortons, you know, as is the sort of the, you know, the standard bearer of coffee in this country everywhere is Tim Hortons. Uh, and, uh, but McDonald's has really taken a massive amount of the market share away from them in the last couple of years. And I, you know, uh, you know, in terms of quick coffee on the road, like I, I have now completely switched over to McDonald's and, and, and to be honest with you, it's, the reason I, I started was they would have these promotions where it was like free coffee, you know, for, you know, the next two weeks or $1 coffee, any size, which they have right now, or things like that, that they do to try and attract new customers, uh, all the time. And I remember the first time I went, you know, to get this free coffee and I drank it right away. It was like something about the taste, you know, was so much better, um, than what I re remembered at the coffee of old, McDonald's. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, you have to do fun things. You have to be inventive and creative to get people to come and try your stuff. And maybe it's not even marketing it as Duncan, as, as you see in this case, it's, you know, how do, how do we fool people, uh, you know, with cool hip branding, uh, and then, you know, you know, reveal that what they're actually drinking is Duncan and it worked. So they said that, uh, they've seen really strong results of the activation, more than 60% lift in espresso units sold in Portland in the week after the event compared to the same time last year. So, um, so this stuff can work and, and, you know, be effective. So, uh, good on them for, uh, for fooling the people in Portland, Maine. There you go. I'm definitely a coffee snob. I have to have my like really strong Cuban black coffee, like nothing in it. <laughs> so good coffee is so important. 
Um, you know, this reminded me of the recent Payless story. So Payless Shoes, yeah. you know, they put up this um, like this fake pop-up shop, uh, and they called it, I think, Palessi or something, um, and they made it like these really – it's the same brand, like the same shoes that they sell in Payless. They just put different tags on them. And they had people coming in and paying like 600 you know, $500 for these pairs of $20 shoes. Um, and they fooled all these people. And it was like, I mean, it was fun reading the Twitter comments, right? Like hearing what people's response was to this. But I, I think what I think is so great about this is like, you know, people who consider themselves like connoisseurs of something may actually enjoy something that's less expensive. They just enjoy spending money really is what it's yeah. about. Right. So I think that this is kind of the same thing. Like Duncan has great coffee, right? They have amazing stuff. So, you know, they create like this high end experience and people realize like, Oh, I actually really do like this coffee or I really do like this, um, you know, like a lower end or lower cost, so, you know, solution or, or service or whatever it may be. It's just all about getting people in there and having them experience it. So I think that it's great. Like, I think it's so fun to, to fool people. It's a prank, you know? And then they're like, Oh my gosh. But the great thing about this is anybody can have this style. Anybody can have this coffee, right? It's not, right. it's not a $6 cup of coffee, coffee. Um, so switching from coffee to beer, I will talk about the Stella Artois um, story. And this is super fun. Okay. So they have created this bartending automated robotic technology or BART as they are calling it. Um, and basically they created this, it's like a, um, what's the material I'm looking for? It's like a plexiglass kind of a material that they have put together or an acrylic material they've put together and it's like this device and they mount it to the top of the robotic vacuums and it is like a de facto server and it holds, it has four drink holders, place for your snacks. It can help you move things in and out directly to party guests. Um, and since it's a vacuum, obviously it can help clean up any messes that are, that are left around. Um, so this clear plastic device, it has like the tray, it holds the glasses, um, you know, your beer obviously. And it's, um, and it helps, it supposedly keeps it from spilling in transit. I don't know. So this was available, supposedly available on their website um, in limited quantities. It says sold out now. I already checked it out. But you can download a 3D blueprint so that you could actually make your own <laughs> and attach it to your your little robotic vacuum. I think this is so fun. Like, how great is this? I don't know. It's silly. It doesn't really, like, matter. I don't know if it's going to help them sell more beer or not. But, hey, I bet a lot of people are going to their website and checking this out. I think it's really fun. You know, this, these are the types of stories that I love and I think like, hey, it's not necessarily directly tied to some promotion on the actual product, but it's fun and it gets people engaged with the product. And I think that that kind of association with a particular brand is that emotional connection with consumers and that's what keeps them coming back and like, hey, I'll go drink a Stella now, you know? Yeah. So. No, I, I think it's absolutely about brand engagement and uh, and I think this is a, a really cool, fun way to do that. It's, it's so funny because... Uh, you know, I was I was out shopping uh, with my kids uh, last weekend, and uh, there was all kinds of sales on these robot vacuum things, right? The iRobots and the whatever. And you know, my kids were like, "Yeah, we need that." I'm like, "No, we don't really need that." But now, like, I'm thinking, okay, if it, if it can deliver, <laughs> if it can deliver beer, like for a holiday party or something like that, all right. Well, you know, now now all of a sudden, it's not a vacuum anymore; it's a server, right? So. Guys, you could be watching the big football game and not even have to get up for a refill, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think this is super fun and cool. Uh, we'll have to uh, see how we can uh, get uh, get a couple of these things uh, for for our own use here. Um, but uh, yeah, no, um, you know, it, it's it, when I think about this, as you say, it's not about selling stuff. It, it's it's about you know creating that long lasting connection to the brand and, and the fan. Um, or the consumer of that product. And, uh, you know, I think about things like, up, again, up here in Canada, where, you know, we are hockey nation up here, you know, the Budweiser and Molson and all these guys, you know, have these, you know, they, they the Bud has this red light thing, right? So basically, you can buy, they sell these um, uh, red lights uh, that are Wi-Fi connected devices. And what you do is, is you, you basically stick it in your living room or on your ceiling or whatever, and you uh, load it up with um, your favorite team. So in my case, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then every time the Maple Leafs score a goal, the light goes off like, like, like it does in the actual arena when, you know, behind the goalie uh, in the net where they have the red light going off and the siren if you want it to. Um, you know, and, and I, I think it's cool, right? Like that these companies, whether it's Stella Artois or Budweiser or whatever, you know, create these these engagement experiences with their customers. So good on them for uh, for thinking a little bit out of the box and embracing, uh, you know, the robot uh, uh, technology that's out there. So I like it. Me too. There you go. All right. Our final story this week is about Target using augmented reality to sell you a Christmas tree. Um, now Target and a whole bunch of other brands, retailers that we've talked about lately have really jumped into the, uh, augmented reality bandwagon, um, you know, in terms of, um, you know, visualizing products in your space. We've talked about Ikea, uh, completely redoing their catalog, uh, with AR. We've talked about, uh, Lowe's, uh, with the, uh, having virtual hollow room technologies, um, and things like that. So you can see spacey wall colors and, and, and layouts of furniture. And basically what they're doing is using that same technology that they uh, is a fairly new feature that they already have in their app called See It In Your Space. And it allows you to virtually place an artificial Christmas tree uh, or other uh, Christmas decorations in your living room. And I think this is, is brilliant. I think it's, it, it's, uh, it's a great way to kind of expose that feature in their app. Uh, in a lot of ways, like we were just talking about with with uh, Burger King, you know, sort of they they've had this new mobile payment capacity in the app, uh, but how do you get people playing around with it? How do you get people, um, you know, familiar with that and wanting to use it, right? And the same goes here. I think it's we have this feature, we have this AR capability in our app where you can you know visualize products in your space. Um, but what's a cool way to kind of get people to think about using that and playing around with it? Well, it's Christmas, so. Why don't you see see a tree in your space and see what that looks like? Um, and, you know, I, I think it's super fun. Uh, I think all of these stories this week are, like, really fun uh, ways to do that. Maybe it's just that time of year where, you know, it's all about fun and holidays and celebration and and uh, and all of that. So um, I know. I don't even have anybody to say, like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> I can't say anybody is stupid this Next week. Next week we have to do a Stay whole stupid. show that's just stupid. How about that? Stupid. Every story sucks. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Like if we, yeah, uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> an entire show of rants where we just, yeah, we don't like anything. Um, it's like a roast, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think this is really cool. Uh, so good on them to kind of, again, finding a way to expose that feature, uh, in their app. And, uh, 
hopefully selling a lot of Christmas trees. Yeah, I love it. I I secretly, like, not secretly, but I want a flocked Christmas tree so bad. I'd love to imagine that in my space. They're just really messy and really expensive. There you go. Stick with what I got for now. Apparently, you know? apparently some guys, I heard on the news the other day, some guy out here uh, on the east coast of Canada, and I think Halifax, uh, had, you know, I think it's some, he has, he's, he's a professor, researcher at one of the universities out there, and he's doing research on kind of creating the ultimate Christmas tree. And apparently he's come up with, you know, there some, like, these are genetically modified, I'm talking about. So some kind of Christmas tree, it's a balsam fir derivative, something, um, you know, real tree, and it apparently can hold its needles perfectly green for three months three months <laughs> like People not dropping meals, up their, their you know and and it has the smell right and everything optimized um for three months i don't know i don't think they're selling these things yet he's like it's a it's in the lab but he's got it going and uh, i'm like how much is that gonna cost like you know 600 bucks for a tree or something you know it's like i don't know i don't know i yeah. mean trees are expensive trees are expensive well but, but you can imagine yours. Just use the, the Target app. There you go. See it in your space. Yeah. If yeah. only in your dreams. You can still see it. <laughs> and while you're doing that, you can sing Silent Night uh, yes. with your family. You can stand around the virtual tree and sing Silent Night. There you while go. your vacuum brings you a beer. Yeah. That's it. All done. <laughs> good. Yeah. All right. All right, so that is our show for this week. Three industry news stories, three member news stories, all super fun. Um, and uh, as usual, if you have story ideas, uh, like a couple of these stories this week came from uh, people who listen and watch and follow, um, you know, keep sending them. Uh, if you've never sent us one, send us one. If you have feedback uh, about the show, we're open to that too. If you have criticism, that all goes to Abriana. And uh, yeah. That's, you know, and uh, yeah, and if you have criticism, we'll use that as fodder for the full-on rant show next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we appreciate you listening and watching. Uh, you've been listening to episode number 393 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. We'll be back next week. Uh, enjoy your weeks, everyone. Have a great one. Bye. Adios.